Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Oh, 
There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you've got. There's honey in the rock. Praying for a miracle, thirsty for the living well. Only you can satisfy. Sweetness at the mercy seat. Now I've tasted. It's not hard to see, only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you've got. There's honey in the rock. Spirit is bounty in the wilderness. You will always satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you've got. There's honey in the rock in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands. It started flowing when you said it is done. Everything you did's enough. I keep looking, I keep finding. You keep giving, you keep providing. I have all that I need. You are all that I need. I keep praying. I keep praising, you keep proving, I have all that I need, you are all that I need. I keep looking, I keep finding, you keep giving, keep providing, I have all that I need, you are all that I need. I keep praying, you keep moving. I keep praising, you keep proving, I have all that I need, you are all that I need, I have all that I need, you are all that I need, yeah. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry. in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands, started flowing when you said it is done, Jesus who you are is enough, there's honey in the rock. Trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet. 
how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you.
going to be reading from uh, the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 16 verses 13 through 23. And then I'm going to read all of 18 and then 19, 1 through 18 from chapter 19. Then I'll be reading from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 12 through 18. Let's begin our reading with chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful, a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent Jesse to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Let's move forward to chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out 
of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They've ascribed to David ten thousands, ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him the captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people, and David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merib. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Maholothite, as a wife. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David, and David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am poor and lightly, a lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore David arose and went, he and his men, and killed two hundred men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins and gave them in full count to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as a wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistine went out to war. And so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. 
So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all the things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. But he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him to me in the bed, that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he had escaped? And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Move forward to the New Testament book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 12. Ephesians 6. Verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I'm going to read John 10, 10, and 11. Those verses say, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. 
Christian, you are a target, and an, the enemy would like for nothing better than to see a person's life be shipwrecked by sin. Your enemy is Satan, and as John 10.10 states, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Often the person that does not resist the devil and flee from sin will succumb to bondage and eventually a tragic falling away. Now that term shipwreck represents apostasy and a profound and tragic loss of faith, the kind that was evident in the false teachers that the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Timothy 1.19. Hebrews 9.27 says that it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. If you and I live long enough in this world, we will all die unless Jesus returns to take us home first. But understand that an unbelieving person trapped in sin as a potential target of the enemy will often die tragically, prematurely, ignominiously in a degraded state of bondage under tragic circumstances that are often the result of their sin. When a person allows themselves to become trapped and mired in sin, they become targets of the enemy. The enemy is given place in their lives, and the result is spiritual death. Now, there are tragedies that befall people that are a result of their sins. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Ephesians 1, 14 through 16 explains how unbridled sin can bring death. The verses say, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Romans six twenty three tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 4.27 reminds us not to make a comfortable dwelling place for the enemy of our souls. The verse says, neither give place to the devil. The Christian is to flee from sin and with the help of the Holy Spirit resist the enemy. The Christian is not to feel comfortable in sin or to make a room for sin in their lives. The Christian is to be led by the Holy Spirit, not their own flesh and lusts. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. When David wrote many of the Psalms, he was at that time a literal target for his enemies that pursued him with real, literal weapons. One of his enemies was the first king of Israel, his father-in-law Saul. Now we know that Saul made David the literal target for the head of his spear at least two times. Because of Saul's envy, lust for power, fear, and hatred, David became targeted for death by Saul. Psalm 91 is a beautiful expression of David's confidence and abiding trust in God and has been a great comfort to many believers. Psalm 91 also provides an inventory of the perils that David faced at various points in his life when he was forced to run for his life as a targeted fugitive. If David wrote Psalm 91 in the midst of being hounded and pursued by an enemy intent upon slaying him, then he wrote a beautiful description of his trust and confidence in the protective power of God to deliver a person from their enemies. 
Psalm 91, 4 and 5 says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Ephesians 6.16 reminds us that our cruel, wicked enemy has made the Christian his target, but a life-saving shield is made available to the child of God that has placed his trust in Jesus Christ. The verse says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which with you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. The Christian is protected from the enemy's attacks and fiery darts. Well, as we examine the account of David during a time in his life when he became a target of his enemy, I believe that the truth of God's word illustrates how and why a Christian can experience faith, peace, and confidence even while in the crosshairs and being the target of their enemy. Conversely, when we see and analyze and examine Saul's actions, we see someone allowing sin to make him a tool of the enemy. We know that Saul died in a tragic fashion. We didn't read about that, but you can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 31. But Proverbs 10.28 reminds us that it says that the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. I've identified today five godly attributes that David demonstrated even while in the crucible of, of oppression, even as he was suffering as Saul's literal target. And here they are, their peace, the enjoyment and sharing of gifts, love, victory, and wisdom. Now the first God, godly attribute that David evinced while being targeted by Saul was peace. Now we know that David had God's abiding peace while Saul suffered and feared envy distress, and anxiety. David enjoyed God's anointing while Saul lost his abiding presence and was troubled by a distressing spirit. 1 Samuel 16, 13, and 14 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Friend, if you have believed and trusted Jesus Christ in faith, then listen, you are a child of the living God. If you've confessed your sins, repented, and forsaken them, you become a recipient of the most wonderful gift, peace, Christ's peace. When speaking to his disciples, Jesus described the peace and the Holy Spirit's abiding presence that is imparted to the believer as is recorded in John 14, 25 through 27. Our Savior Jesus said this. He said, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus said, as is recorded in John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And one verse that has helped me to trust God for peace is found in Isaiah 26, 3. 
This verse has been a promise verse that has strengthened me at various times in my life. The verse says, you, talking about God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Friends, God's peace is a peace that will sustain you in times of trial and hurt. God's peace, His Holy Spirit, will sustain you when you're discouraged, when you face uncertainties, when you go through persecution, even as you face death. God's peace is a peace that transcends our circumstances in all human reason. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Even though he was targeted by his enemy, David enjoyed God's abiding peace and abiding spirit as he yielded to God. While Saul suffered distress in a troubled spirit as he attempted to resist God and to hold on to something that he could not keep. The second godly attribute that David displayed while being targeted was the use and enjoyment of gifts and giving. Now, both David and Saul were soldiers and warriors, but in their interpersonal relationship, there are two tools, two symbols that I think represent their mindset, their outlook, and their work, and their attitudes toward each other. David's symbolic tool in these passages that we read is his heart, a lyre, a musical instrument, and Saul's symbolic tool is his spear. Now, when David was conscripted to visit the palace home of Saul, he brought the gift of his calming music to Saul. David's tool was a musical instrument. His tool, a harp, allowed him to give a gift, music. A harp or a lyre is a creative tool. Music is a creative endeavor. Now, we might think of David's harp and his music as being symbolic of gifts or giving or being fruitful. Now, Saul's tool was his spear, a tool that takes. If used defensively, the spear can be used to take a life. Now, we know that Saul attempted to murder David. But listen, a weapon can be used for good. But Saul wasn't using his weapon for good as a good soldier would to defend, to free, or to liberate. Just as Jesus Christ gave his life and shed his blood, we are to demonstrate a giving spirit. We are to use our gifts to bless rather than to curse. And God has given every person gifts James 1.17 explains how every gift that we enjoy from, that we receive from God, including life itself, comes from our Heavenly Father. The verse says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God's wonderful grace, that unmerited favor that we don't deserve is the greatest gift that anyone can attain or hope to possess. Paul labeled God's grace to the church in Corinth, as is recorded in 2 Corinthians 9.15, as being an indescribable gift. When God the Father sent God the Son to us for the purpose of reconciling, redeeming us, and regenerating us, He gave us the gift of eternal life and everything a believer needs to complete their purpose in calling in Christ. Our faith, our relationship, 
Our redemption and reconciliation to Christ is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Jesus said, as is stated in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If every person made giving of their own free will more of a priority, the world would not be made perfect. The Bible says that the poor we will always have with us. And we know that the world is corrupted in sin. And we know that we all have a sin nature. We're born into sin. But if everyone loved and served others, more people would see God's love at work. If everyone gave more freely of their gifts and works, more people would experience blessing. While a target, David gave Saul the gift of his music. Saul sought to take David's life and murder him. The third godly attribute experienced by David as he was being targeted was love. Now we know that David became the object of Saul's hatred. But even while being the target of his enemy, David, even while being the target of his enemy, David experienced love. While Saul, on the other hand, experienced fear and hatred and mistrust. Saul became David's enemy, but Saul's own children, Jonathan and Michael, who was also David's wife, showed loyalty and love to David. David wrote this in Psalm 32.10, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love, and some translations say mercy, surrounds the man who trusts in him. Saul couldn't enjoy the gift of being king in his kingdom. He'd been blessed with his kingdom, but he couldn't enjoy it because of the fear, envy, and hatred that consumed his heart. We know that David became Jonathan's closest, most beloved friend. After David had defeated Goliath, God's word tells us that Jonathan loved David so much that he symbolically gave his right of succession to become the next king of Israel to his friend David. 1 Samuel 18, 3 and 4 says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and to his bow and his belt. 1 Samuel 19.1 tells us that while Saul conspired to kill David, Jonathan, his son, wanted no part of it. Jonathan loved David. The verses say, now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, my father, Saul, seeks to kill you. Think about that, how amazing that is. God took a person that Saul wanted to use as an instrument of death and converted him into an instrument of love and protection for David. Proverbs 16, 7 reminds us that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Well, after Saul's first attempt on David's life, Jonathan also worked to reason with Saul and to reconcile David to Saul. Jonathan's work as a peacemaker is recorded in 1 Samuel 19, 4. God's word says, thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, 
because he has not sinned against you and because his works have been very good toward you. Because of Jonathan's intervention and love for David, Saul swore that he would not kill David. Verse 7 of 1 Samuel 19 tells us that a brief period of restoration and reconciliation took place. The verse says, Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. David was a target of his enemy, but God brought a loving friend and a peacemaker into his life. In his Sermon on the Mount, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had good words for people that seek to heal wounds and bring reconciliation. He said, as is recorded in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Hebrews 12, 14 says that we are to seek peace in our relationships with others. We are to demonstrate Christ-like love to those that we come in contact with, even our enemies. The verse says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Well, Jonathan loved and helped David time and time again. But God also used Saul's daughter, Michael, to show love to David and to help him. Now, originally, as part of Saul's machinations and scheming, Saul sought to manipulate and to use his daughter as a tool to trap and destroy David. 2 Samuel 18 20 says, Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Saul's intention to bring David into the family wasn't based on his desire to bring love and blessing to his daughter, Michael. It was rooted in his desire to use her and manipulate her into becoming a weapon to destroy another person, in this case, David. Because of Saul's envy, hatred, and his murderous intentions, Saul wasn't happy that his daughter's love for David grew as she became his wife. This turn of events only caused Saul to become even more fearful and paranoid. 1 Samuel 18.28 says, Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, and Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. After Saul had literally made David the target of his spear again, as is recorded in 1 Samuel 19.9, David escaped and Saul sent agents to David's house to kill him. But Michael showed love to David and warned him to flee. Verses 11 and 12 say, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, if you don't save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. Proverbs 31.8 says, Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. And Proverbs 24.11 says, Deliver those who are drawn toward death and to hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. As Christians, we are to love and to speak up for those who are weak, who cannot defend themselves. We are to deliver those that are dying in their sin with a life-saving good news message of the gospel. Well, Michael helped to rescue David from death and showed him love just as Jonathan, her brother, had, even as he was hated by Saul and was being marked as Saul's target for murder. David experienced love. Friend, even in your trials, even as you live in a world where you are a target of the enemy. You can experience God's abiding love. 
You can rest in God's love and continue to be fruitful, even when you're going through difficulties, even when you're going through trials. The Christian is to abide in the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus' promises are recorded in John chapter 15, verses 5, 9, and 10. The verses say, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. And verses 9 and 10 say, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If you believed and placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you have Christ's abiding love. And nothing, nothing can separate you from his love. Romans 8, 33 through 39 explains the love we have in Jesus Christ. Even while we experience trials and walk through the valley of the shadow of death in this world, the verses say, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is he who condemns. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Even as David was targeted, he was loved. The fourth attribute that David demonstrated while being targeted is victory. Now, David, as David was victorious in battle and brought victory to Israel, Saul's kingdom, he was hated and despised all the more by Saul. Saul was tragically, fatally envious of David. Even though David fought for him, Saul could not enjoy David's victories and blessings nor appreciate his accomplishments. What set Saul on this course in this direction? Well, it was Saul's pride and his fear of losing the admiration, praise, and loyalty of his people. Saul was afraid of losing his kingdom. When the people praised and ascribed a greater excellence to David than to Saul, he couldn't take this. He couldn't accept this. He was overcome with prideful envy and a destructive, sinful kind of jealousy. 1 Samuel 18, 7 and 8 says, So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they've ascribed to David ten thousand, and to me they've ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now even while being targeted, David experienced victory. But Saul, reigning as king, experienced defeat. Now when I say that Saul experienced defeat, I don't mean 
that he was physically, literally defeated on the battlefield. But his defeat was in the distress that he experienced in his spirit and in his inability to enjoy the victory, successes, and blessings of others. David was his friend and later a member of his own family. He should have been glad at David's victories and successes because as the king, really David's victories were Saul's victories. Now the Christian should be glad and rejoice when good things happen to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We shouldn't have resentment. In Romans 12, 15, God's Word reminds us to rejoice with those who rejoice. And I like the way the New Living Translation renders Romans 12, 15, and 16. The verses say simply this. It says, when others are happy, be happy with them. If they're sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. When a person is envious, they can't enjoy the victories and good fortune of others. Paul, Saul couldn't live in harmony with David because his pride and envy caused him to hate David. Saul could not enjoy David's blessings or David's victories. David had done nothing to incur Saul's wrath. Proverbs 3, 30 and 31 says, Do not strive with a man without cause. If he has done you no harm, do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. Now, we would identify David as being the oppressed rather than the oppressor in his relationship with Saul. But in Saul, we see a man trying to hurt someone who had done nothing, who had done him no harm. And we see a man envying someone beneath him in rank and power. Now, how many times has a person in this world thought, if only I possessed power, if only I had authority, if I had prestige, if I had money and wealth, then I would be fulfilled, I would be happy. Well, as king, Saul had all these things, but he couldn't enjoy his blessings. Saul was the king, but Saul exhibited petty behavior and envy on becoming a king. He didn't act like a king. Saul was living as though he was experiencing defeat. He couldn't enjoy victory. He was in a state of perpetual internal defeat. David experienced victory as he was being targeted by his enemy. And a child, as a child of God, you too can experience victory in this world through Jesus Christ when you place your complete trust in him, obey him, and exercise your faith. 1 John 5, 1 through 5 explains how a Christian in faith finds victory. The verses state, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is He who overcomes the world? But He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, David experienced victory even as he experienced grave, anxious circumstances, as he was targeted by an enemy. And believer, as you exercise faith, Jesus Christ will grant you victory. The fifth godly attribute enjoyed by David, even while being targeted, was wisdom. Even while being in danger as Saul's target, David exercised and practiced wisdom. While Saul practiced paranoia and fear-driven folly, making one mistake after another. 1 Samuel 18, 5 says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely 
And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Conversely, Saul's behavior became foolish, unstable, and violent, and he became obsessed and intent upon destroying David to keep him from the throne. As the children of God operate in a sinful world, Jesus said that he wanted his disciples to demonstrate wisdom. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. David demonstrated this kind of shrewd wisdom and harmlessness as he eluded Saul and later spared Saul's life. We didn't read about that, but you can read about that in 1 Samuel chapter tw- chapters 24 and 26. That as the Christian practices true godly wisdom, God's gospel wisdom, his message will seem foolish to those that have not believed and trusted God unto salvation. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 25 say, For the message of the Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 25 says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of of God is stronger than men. The Christian may be targeted to endure difficulties, tests, and trials. Job felt that he was a target as he experienced pain and suffering. In his affliction, he asked God, as is recorded in Job 7.20, why have you set me as your target so that I am a burden to myself? The prophet Jeremiah recognized that God had allowed him to experience many afflictions and desolations. Lamentations 3, 12, and 13 record the prophet's expression of pain. The verses say, He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. But here's the good news. In the midst of these afflictions and trials, Jeremiah was able to rejoice as he recognized God's hand of mercy and faithfulness. Lamentations 3.22 through 26 reveal God's goodness and love for Jeremiah, even as he went through trials and difficulties. The verses say, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Friend, a child of God can thrive even in the midst of adversity. God's shield of faith can protect the targeted child of God as they are blessed and experience love, God's wisdom, his abundant gifts, his peace, and his victory. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will last forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that even as we may go through difficulties, even as we may in the future be faced with trials, that your abundant peace and love will sustain us, that you will be with us no matter what we might face. Lord, I pray for myself and everyone here, Lord, that you would help us to be overcoming Christians, that you would help us to follow you no matter what the cost. Lord, I pray that you would help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to do that because we can't do that through our own flesh. Only you, through your miraculous love, power, and strength can provide us with that kind of strength 
to endure what we might face, whatever we might face in the future. So Lord, I pray that you would go with us now. Help us to tell others about what you've done for us. Help us to be obedient to you and to keep your commandments. Help us to walk closely with you and love you above all things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.